Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this glorious Friday morning. I, I, I Look, I just wouldn't have thought it. I just, uh, you know, the Astros... And not they were kind of going through the motions, not playing real well. Nobody's really hitting other than El Pedro. Um, and Brantley was hot too. Going into this nine game New York stretch. And if you remember, I said the goal was five and four. I'd have taken four and five, wouldn't have been crippling. But the goal was to go five and four. Um, never did I imagine that the Astros would out would should have been nine and zero. I mean, look, I'll take seven and two. Of course, I would take seven and two, but they really outplayed everyone, both teams in every game. So, like, they net there was in the nine games, and you can add a tenth for the White Sox on that Sunday, right before that. They not one player from either team came to bat with the Astros were behind. It's just unbelievable. Now they're about to pay the Piper for that. Don't don't get it wrong. The Piper must be paid, and the Astros will pay the Piper for that real soon. They're playing the little MVPs this weekend. That'd be sickening if it happens to them. And then after that, they play the Royals. Astros struggle with the Royals. I, I can't explain it for a while now. They they just struggle against them. Um, they have a tough time with the Royals. I I, I don't I hadn't quite figured that out yet. But but no, it, I I don't want to diminish what they just did. Very very impressive. Uh, really, they should have been nine and zero. I mean, that would have been something. I know it shoulda, woulda, coulda, but really, it's real. Like they outplayed them in all nine games. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't envision that. But I think it's a good. It was a. I think they got a little bit of a break. In that, it was a good time to play the Mets. The Mets are kind of reeling right now. You know, their way. Scherzer's about to come back, and Degrom's about to come back. The Astros played the Mets at the right time, and so that was. But, but. Also, the Astros raised their level of play. Now, as far as last night's game, the other irony about all that is for most of those nine games, the umpires, the Astros didn't get very many calls. They got a few here and there, but, man, they just can't get it. It's like, I mean, they ever going to get a break on the the check swings and the home plate umpires' balls? I mean, are they ever going to? Well, I didn't like a lot of the calls in the first three or four innings, but about the fourth or fifth inning, maybe the fifth inning last night, for the rest of the way, the Astros started getting some calls, and I'm like, it's about time. 
It's about time seeing them frustrated with it. And, and you know, my, my thought process is this, kind of like I did after that first loss. Well, I mean, Astros have been pitching great all season. Like, if anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt, it's some of these cats on these borderline calls. But really, I think it shows how good the pitching is right now for the Yankees and the Astros. Because, especially Severino. Now, the pitch, the 0-2 pitch that Garcia threw to Rizzo last night was an awful pitch. But think about Mo, last night's game, but also the previous games. How often both teams were living right on the corners. How many just borderline pitches there were. How many pitches just either right out of the little white box or just on the little, in other words, you don't want to throw the ball over the middle of the plate. That's not your goal. That's not the objective. It's too easy to hit there. Too easy to hit there. But I think it just shows you how good those two teams are pitching when, I mean, it for a while there, it's like Severino had a three. and I mean, every pitch he threw was right on the edge. Like, he didn't throw any pitches over the middle of the plate. He was just dotting it low, right on the edge, right on the line, right below the line, just boom, 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 all over. Finally, in the last three or four innings, the Astros started getting some breaks on balls and strike calls. I mean, I think they've earned a little bit of consistency. They've shown some consistency, I should say, to where they've earned the – because, I mean, and I'm not even just talking about the New York games. Even before that, they just they just they've been going through a stretch where man they can't seem to get a break on balls and strikes, but they got some breaks last night. And ask me if I felt bad about it. You can go ahead ask me. Did I feel no? I didn't feel bad. No, I've been I've been in the deficit the last few weeks. So I, I, the Astros, as good as they've been pitching, uh, were due a few of those breaks and. Uh, Again, it's still a great. Even if it's a ball, a lot of it's still a great pitch. It's just you don't you don't know if you're going to get those, some of those calls, and they, and they finally start getting them. But no, I thought Severino pitched great. Uh, I thought, and then he was just all over the corners and at the bottom of the zone. And I was very thankful that Trevino swung at the two one pitch at the end of the game because it was a ball and out the zone and who knows what would have happened after that. But, uh, but no, it was, um, it was a great stretch. Now here's the chore. The Astros have 16 games between now and the all-star break against teams with not good records. Now, they played a little, they got six of them against the little MVPs. And the little MVPs, their record's actually not that bad. They're only, I don't know, like three or four games under 500. So their record's not really that bad. But the Royals are about the worst team in baseball this year. They got four with the Royals, three with the little MVPs, four with the Royals, three with the A's. Three more with the little MVPs, and then three more with the A's. That's 16 games. 
the the Yankees have done a much better job, especially in recent years. But I think more, usually that's the the Yankees do a much better job than the Astros at beating up on teams with bad records. Like they just hammer them. They just beat up on those teams. They hardly ever lose to them. But the but the Astros again they've struggled with the Royals. The Astros can't get Elvis Andrus out. They just can't get him out. They have never figured out how to get Elvis Andrus out. Uh, and so I'm hoping that they can continue this stretch of, of top-notch baseball against over these 16 games before they play the Yankees for two the game right after the All-Star break. But going into the All-Star break, I mean, it'd be nice if they went like 12-4 and four in these 16 games. I, I, they need to go at least 11-5. and five. I'd, I'd like to go at least 11-5. and five. But but I don't know. Again, they they struggle with the Royals. Struggle. And so we'll see. They they, they don't normally do as good a job. I think they're going to let down a little bit. You would think they would let down a little bit after this nine-game stretch that they kind of got up for. They We'll see if they can avoid the letdown, especially since who knows when Pena and El Perro are coming back. Brantley will be out either all or most of those games. Wouldn't shock me if they just let him go all the way to the All-Star break and then bring him back. And so we'll see how that plays. But um, Astros don't normally do as good the, against the, as the Yankees do of pounding the, the teams with really bad records. So we'll see what they can do in these games. Plus, some of these teams, like the A's, are due to win some games. They haven't, by A standards, they haven't been playing that awful. They just haven't been winning. And so um, hopefully the, the, the Astros don't let them off the deck and just suffocate them. Now, they're, they're going through a stretch where they're about to move to Las Vegas, it seems like. All signs point to that. So who knows what the morale is for that, for that outfit. All right. I know there's more, a lot more going on in the world of sports than just the Astros' great run against the New York teams, but it's just fun. I mean, again, when you're not an ESPN division team, and you and you crushed and you crushed the ESPN division teams. It's just fun. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's just the way it is. So you gotta relish it. You gotta relish it. They get slammed down your throat so much that you gotta relish it. That's just part of the deal. Um all right. Look, I made a statement a long time ago. A lot of people disagree with me and laugh at me. And it, for some people it makes them angry. Um and when I first started saying it, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, whenever it was, it's been a long time. The closest thing to purity in sports is professional sports left. The closest thing left to purity in sports is professional sports. And I mean, I don't say that with a smile on my face. It, it's, you know, high school sports, I, 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 I have not liked the direction it's going in a long, long time. It's been going. Youth sports has been downhill, going in a wrong direction for a long, long time. And look, there are plenty of exceptions to that. Understand that. I mean, there are plenty of great moments at all levels, great uh, exceptions to the trends. Plenty of them at all levels. I get that, but I'm talking about the the primary. College sports has great moments. Every day, probably. But, like, 
more bad news yesterday for the you know for the purity of sports. You've got USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. I mean, it's it's not going in a good direction, folks. It's just not. It's, you know, now they're paying all these players. Everybody's leaving. And now, you know, you got USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Um, I was listening to Raymond's interview with Adam. I don't know why they haven't done it other than the schools don't want to do it. But unless there are schools that just don't want to do it, why hasn't the Big 12 and the Pac-12 merged? I mean, just take the best teams from the Big 12 and the and the best teams left. But probably the reason that hadn't happened is because USC and UCLA want to go to the Big 10. And, you know, maybe Oregon wants to, too. But the problem is, like, if you're the Big 10, do you want Oregon State, too? Or you just want Oregon. Like you can have Oregon and Oregon State in big in this in different conferences. Oh man, what a mess! What a mess college sports is. Just a mess. Just awful, awful. Now again, that doesn't mean individual games and seasons can't be exciting. Can't. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about the overall structure of the sport. We've known it. For a while now, we've got, we're going to these major conferences, but even though you know it in the back of your mind, when you, as, as the process goes along, it's just painful to watch, just painful, awful, painful to watch. I don't know. Just awful. Um, Kevin Durant. That's another one. In the NBA free agency. Maybe I've been doing a lot of complaining lately about not talking about the Nets. I don't think they could be talking about the Brooklyn Nets much anymore. (laughs) The Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant. Great player. Strange guy. Just strange. So now they say Kyrie's going to the Lakers. Is that really going to happen? That's what what people are thinking. Kyrie's going to the Lakers. Who knows where Kevin Durant's going. The NBA. Again, I I think the OI adage that they don't play defense is is there are a lot of, there are a lot of, there's a lot of proof that that's not accurate. But, I just don't like the free agency side of the NBA. I, I think the the other problem with that I don't like about the NBA is that the I don't like the players teaming up and 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 making a professional sports AAU league or a travel ball league. That's basically what the NBA is. It's like travel, like AAU or travel ball in a league. I don't like that part of it, but. The, the other problem to me is that the, the regular season is largely irrelevant. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem to matter. To, it doesn't matter to Fox Sports for sure. That's all they talk about every day, the NBA. And it doesn't matter to certain people, and I get that, and good for them. But, like, man, the NBA regular season is just, it's almost irrelevant. It's not totally irrelevant, but it's pretty close to irrelevant. And, I, and for some people, it doesn't matter. It's it's hard for me to 
I don't know. Just don't like the process of it. But, you know, it's e- boy, I'll tell you what, it's easy to pull against Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's easy to pull against that cat. He needs to just go to the Celtics because it, it'd be really easy to, even easier to pull against him. Pas bon, pas bon, pas bon. So a lot, you know, for me personally and Astro fans, glorious time, glorious. In some of the other parts of sports, boy, you just wonder, what in the world is this going to look like? Speaking of the NBA, it looks like the Pels are going to give Zion the max deal, five years, 230-something million. Um, it seems risky. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are thinking the cat never plays and he gets a max deal. Boy, that's nice. I get that. But what you going to do? The Pels, can you imagine if he actually reaches his potential with what they already have? Pels could be pretty good. Pels could be pretty good. All right. I was a little longer than we normally go in the first segment, but had a lot to kind of touch on. Let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to not do it as organically as we did yesterday, but we're going to touch call our friend Tommy Battle and we're going to get his thoughts as we try it's Friday I know we got a lot of other stuff going on but it's Friday our final day of our high school football we've got 30 something great suggestions and any more that you want to give us today and we want to Tommy was in the middle of two of these and so we want to get his thoughts on that and then we got to narrow it down to 10 we got a tough chore today tough tough chore 30 something great heartbreak if you don't know what I'm talking about is footnote summer project heartbreaking losses high school football week we'll try to start to narrow it down to 10 with Tommy Battle next on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana sports station Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Before we get to our special guest, I want to remind you, the game would like to get you an Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100, 288-8100, you will be able to win, be eligible to win an Apple Watch, plus be eligible for a ton of chances at other great prizes like Astro Tickets. So join the game text club. Find out more at 1037thegame or 1041thegame.com. Com. All right, we have with us our old friend, Coach Tommy Battle. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. All right, so it's high. Our, our, our footnote summer project this week is heartbreaking losses, and it's high school football week. And so, I don't know, we've probably got about 40 suggestions here. I've narrowed it down into the 30 range, and we got to try to get to the top 10 by the end of the show. I don't really know how I'm going to do it. But but one of them or two of them that have been have been nominated is a, is a Westminster loss in the quarterfinals about I don't know what is that about 17 years ago um, uh, to Mamu and then a Turlings loss to John Curtis in 1982. I know you know a little bit about both of those, so that's why I wanted to talk to you. 
Shoot, I was going nominated third when we got beat on the last play of the game against OC when me and Doug, uh, we had, we had, I had not beat uh, uh, OC at all at Westminster, and we had gone 9-0, uh, and 0, I think, that year. And I think we got beat on the last play of the last, <clears throat> on a tip pass on a, a Hail Mary. And, uh, oh, my yeah, guy I remember up, that, yeah. Scored. Now, yeah. what year was well, that? I was involved with two of the all-time worst. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So what year was that when I do remember that now? I think it was I think it was uh, 8 uh, 8 or 9 yeah. Yeah. That was that was just a district game. We hadn't beat OC in I, I don't know 9 years, 7 years, something like that, a long time and we finally had him on the ropes. One, uh, last play of the game, the guy scrambles, we almost sack him. He he eludes us, of course, and throws it up for grabs. My guy tips it up in the air, which you, of course you teach him not to do. And it lands right in their receiver's hands for a touchdown. Man, hail yep. marys Last are the worst. That's one likes like the worst way to lose a hail mary. Yeah, well, except on a block uh, on a block <laughs> field goal, and it lands in somebody's hands, and they run it back. <laughs> so, give us the circumstances <laughs> of that Mamu one. Yeah, so so we uh, so we're playing Mamu. They're heavily favored. They got Savwa, and they got the other kid that actually ended up playing for A and M. Uh, the other receiver. So they had two guys that went like power five on that team. They had another kid that, that uh, signed D1. So they had like three D1 players, and of course I, I didn't. But anyway, we had them on the ropes. We were up uh, at one point. Uh, we were driving for a 28-7 to lead. My, my guy's running into the end zone for uh, for the touchdown. Savoy catches him and punches the ball out uh, of, the, of the end zone. They get the ball uh, and they score. And so instead of it being 28 to 7, it's 28 to 14. So, you know, long story short, it's 28 28. We got the ball. We're driving for the, for the winning touchdown. I play for the field goal. My guy was 5 for 5 that year. John Ross Pruden was 5 for 5 that year. And, uh, I felt very confident because he was really good. We lined up for like right in the middle of the field. And um, the rest is history. But, you know, Savoy, Savoy or whatever. I think it went by Savoy. Uh, Knocked it up in the air and caught it on the run. Never touched the ground. Caught it on the run and scored the, on the last play of the game. So you're a pretty pat. How have you, in your career over the years, how have you gotten past losses like that? Or do you never really get past them? Oh, that one? Dude, that one took a while. <laughs> that one took a while. We felt like we had a chance if we could beat Mamu. We really felt like we we had a chance to go to the Dome. Uh, that was the year uh, I'm trying to remember. Mamu ended up going play a team that I felt we matched up really well against because we could control the football. You know, we run that we ran the ball really well. We could control the clock and control the control the football, and I really thought that we had a a really good chance that following week. And you know, it, it took us a while to get over that one. I ain't gonna lie. You know, it was that was a tough one. Now the game didn't go down to the wire, but. I know you were a part of that 82 Turlings team that was unscored upon, and I, I can just imagine how the air just went out of the balloon when Curtis scored that, that first. When you give up your first points of the season in the state quarterfinals, just describe that feeling. Yeah, you know, we had a couple of very key injuries, and, you know, we were very thin, no depth. Um, we, we played about 16, 17 kids, and, you know, it was the first time we had ever honestly played a team that played platoon football. They had a complete offense, a complete defense, and they also had special teams people. You know, our kids never left the field. Like, they'd say, putt team, 
and we'd have like one guy run off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, and they would say punt team, and eleven guys would come on. You know, so I mean, it was it was a, a, a unique uh, a feeling. And then we had to play them there, which to this day I have yet to figure out how we ended up playing there. The matchups were different. I think it was all preordained. Right. Uh, depending upon what year it was, you had to play an, an even district or odd district or, or whatever because, you know, only two teams made the playoffs in those days. And so right. it was a different setup. But we ended up having to go to go there. We, we, we played at the most god-awful stadium in the history of the world. <laughs> in America. Somehow, <State. laughs> it hadn't rained in two weeks, but somehow the field was a little muddy. <laughs> <laughs> a little, I was a little iffy too, you know. Uh, supposedly, supposedly they had some issues with the sprinkler system and why they were sprinkling the dust. I'm not sure. You know, there was no grass. There was no grass on the field. Remember the old Clark Field? How they had, by the end of the year it was all beat up and there was yeah. no grass. You know, well imagine Clark Field on crack. There was when I'm telling you there was no grass on this field. <laughs> So uh, it was just uh, very iffy, sketchy, you know, a little bit sketchy, but it is what it is. and It definitely slowed us down. We had a lot of team speed, and it really slowed us down that day. Uh, we were struggling, and we were running the veer, obviously, and uh, it, definitely was, uh, it definitely hindered our offense. Defensively, I thought we played a pretty good game. They just, they literally just wore us out, man. They, they had a whole offense, big offensive line, and they just wore us down. And by the fourth quarter, we were, we were struggling. We were struggling with uh, – we were tired, you know. I mean, we, we, we didn't, you know, that year we we rarely played a second half. You know, the, the guys would literally take their shoulder pads off at halftime. Um, and so we never played. So our guys really hadn't played a full football game. We went to the playoffs in the first round. I don't remember who we played. I remember we played Bruley. I think we beat them 44 to nothing or something. So even even the first round of the playoffs, we, we, did, we weren't really challenged. And so it was – it was a, it was tough. It was really tough. There, everybody had to play all the four quarters: special teams, offense, defense, and we got a little worn out at the end. And we weren't playing John Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, they, that was they had only won like by that time. Let's see, that was '83. Yeah, they had only run I think seven state championships or eight by then. <laughs> you know, they hadn't, they hadn't really developed the powerhouse. <laughs> Maybe seven in a row or something. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate that. So, uh, one one question. I know you are a track coach for the Cajuns, and all this super comp- – is that more of just primarily a football, basketball thing, or how much is that going to impact? Like, are, are track coaches around the country like, oh, this is awful, or do they not care as much? Like, what, what's from a track perspective, how do you view that? What, what, Kevin, what people don't realize is there's this committee now with the NCAA. It's called the Transition Committee, and uh, they're proposing some major – major changes to how the NCAA is structured. Basically, the NCAA is tired of getting sued and losing. And uh and so they're they're ta- I mean they're they are talking about uh making some some changes that are going to affect the, the the actual way college athletics is run. We're talking about like unlimited coaching staffs. So if football if Alabama wants to have 20 on-field coaches and can afford it, they can have 20. Man. You know, if a track team can, can can have ten, you know, coaches, they can they can have ten. Um, they're talking about restructuring scholarships and making track and baseball and 
in softball and the sports that that do currently can break up scholarships. They're talking about doing full scholarships or nothing. You know, some I'm talking some major impactful legislation. And uh, and so the super conferences are the beginning of that. The, the super conferences are are going to be the haves and the have-nots. And you know what's 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 tough on our end is you know we we're competitive in our sport, softball, baseball. We're all competitive with Power Five schools. I mean, we can beat a lot of Power Five schools in a lot of events. We do every week. You know, it's the nature of the sport is different. You know, our baseball team can go out and beat an LSU on a Tuesday night. You know, Louisiana Tech this year, for instance, a great example, right? right. Southern Miss. I mean, on and on and on. You know, um, so that's that's where kind of we're we're probably more concerned is where that's all leading. And I think Dr. Maggard might even be on the committee. I'm not sure, but anyway, we're just hearing some rumblings about about some things that could potentially be be happening down the pipe scary 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 nothing's the same for sure anymore all right well we appreciate we appreciate your time i just wanted to get your thoughts on those games because i, well, have I don't some know every- who the other 30 wins and losses are but i'm going to tell you something if somebody beats ours i'm going to have to <laughs> i'm going to have to give them some props <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't know if you remember, but in uh, actually, it was the exact same year as your mamu when St. Martinville's beat Neville, and and they did a a Joe Pasarchik where all they had to do was go on a knee, but they kind of just ran off to the side a little bit, and when he ran to the side, the ball got knocked out. Neville picked it up, ran it back for a touchdown. That one's kind of bad too. That that is kind of (laughs) bad. That is kind of bad. That, That's good that coaching. Hurts. See, I was playing for the field goal. <laughs> they were trying to run the clock out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sickening. I should have gone for the damn touchdown. <laughs> See, after that year, everybody wanted to know, why doesn't he kick field goals? <laughs> 2004, buddy. <laughs> seven points, seven points cause more than three every time. So I went for it. And we didn't play for no field goal. I went for the, I went for the touchdown from then on. It didn't always work out, but I felt better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All Coach. Right, I appreciate it. Thank okay. you very much. Okay, Kevin. Thank you, man. Okay, bye. Tommy Battle. No, that, I, those are tough ways to lose. Block field goal return for a touchdown like Turlings in Lorville in, in 86. And, you know, fumbling when you're just trying to run out the clock. Oh, it's just. It's so agonizing when you're pulling for a team and you're right on the verge of making this big upset. And it's like, is the clock ever going to run out? And you just, oh, and then you're just trying to all just run out the clock. And then you think you're in victory offense. And then it, oh, it's just, it can be agony. No question. Especially when you're trying to do something that you've never done before or that you haven't done in a long, long time. Oh, man, it's a great feeling when you got the victory and all, and you see four zeros on, on the clock. All right, we'll take a timeout. I agree with Coach Battle. I. I had forgotten about the OC one, but that 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 that's true. That was like four years later. Trying to go undefeated, your big rival, and they beat you on a Hail Mary. Oh. Oh. Awful. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? 
Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Gotta love that song. Welcome back to... Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Astros, want to give you another reminder if you would like to win Astro Getaway number three, Astros Mariners on Saturday, July the 30th, which would be what? Four weeks from tomorrow. I'm getting good at this math thing. Um, you need to register for the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win four tickets to that game. A tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaways brought to you by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game hotline is 706-0111. 7060111. All right. I wanted to throw out a couple more games that have come across. Um before we next hour we try to narrow it down to 10. Again, I don't know how we're gonna narrow it down to 10. I, I I looked at it yesterday afternoon. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to how do you distinguish one from another? I, it's 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 really difficult. But a couple more I want to bring up. One of them is And actually, two of them are Turlings. Two Turlings. We just were talking about the Turlings 82 one. A couple more Turlings one. 1981. It was the last year of Cathedral football because Cathedral consolidated with Fatima to make up St. Thomas More starting in the football season of 82. Um. And Turlings never beat Cathedral in football. Well, in that year, um, it was at Clarkfield, obviously, 1981. Um, Turlings scores on the final play of the game to make the to, to make the game 21-20. Here they were. They had, you know, the Bear brothers and and this really good team. And they and then I mean, the next year was the year that they went unscored upon until the state quarterfinals and that loss to to Curtis that uh, Coach Baton was just describing. Um, they went for two in the win. If they get the two point conversion, they beat Cathedral. For the first time ever, the last time they were ever going to play Cathedral because St. Thomas More was about to start. And Cathedral's defense stuffs stuffs them, and they lose the game 21-20. And so for a long time, the next year, Turlings beat St. Thomas More, but they didn't beat Cathedral. So um, that was their last chance to beat Cathedral. The other Turlings game I want to bring up is a game that I actually covered. And it was 
2002. Turlings is playing Patterson in the state quarterfinals at Clark Field with about five or six minutes to go on the clock. Literally, they were halfway through the fourth quarter. I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's actually, it kind of reminds me of that Catholic High Acadiana game that we talked about from 2009 a couple times. Turlings is up 41 to 24 with five or six minutes to go in the game, midway through the fourth quarter, and got beat 41, 51-41. They were up 17 with half a quarter left in the state quarterfinals and got beat by 10. It was unbelievable. Again, I said I've never seen a momentum turn as quick as at a Kayana Catholic game. Well, this I had forgot this Turling's Patterson game was a, was very similar. Like I'm, I mean, it was unbelievable. They were up 17. They're dancing, and they lost by 10 in a half a quarter. That was unbelievable. Really, it was unbelievable. And the next week, um, they. Patterson beat Notre Dame and made it to the state championship, made it to the Dome that, that year. Wow. That, that, that was a tough one. Now, another, we haven't had much St. Thomas More talk this week. Not many St. Thomas More suggestions this week. But, and again, this goes to what we talked about with, like, Cecilia Brobridge or Brobridge St. Marville. Or, uh, I mean, um, Depends on what side you on. For the Northside Vikings, it was it was glorious. It was arguably the most glorious point in the history of Northside football. I would argue Lutcher, but anyway, um, or beating St. Martinville in the in St. Martinville's glory days. But in 2004, man, what a year for high school football 2004 was. That Mamu, uh, up, you know. Crazy win over Westminster, uh, the St. Martinville-Neville game that we talked about. And in 2004, St. Thomas More played Northside at STM, double overtime in the state semifinals to go to the Dome. Neither team had been to the Dome yet. Neither team had ever played in the state finals. And, 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 um, and Northside beats St. Thomas More, 28-22 in double overtime. It was raining. I didn't cover that game. I forget where I was. I don't remember where I was that night. I was at another semifinal game. Can't think of who that might have been right now. But, no, that was um, – that was – had to be heartbreaking. Also, the year later, if you remember, the year later was the Katrina year. And Bastrop had this dominant football program. Dominant. And remember, bro, they beat everybody, and then they had they busted them for cheating, and then Brobridge got the the state championship because they lost to him in the dome. Well, in the quarterfinals that year, STM went to Bastrop and outplayed Bastrop and missed a field goal in the last play of the game, and and lost nineteen seventeen. That was a really good Bastrop team, uh, and that was a tremendous, tremendous performance by STM and had they made that field goal 
Uh, they'd have beaten a really good Bastrop team that all over, that people feared all over the state. And so that was a heartbreaking loss. Two heart back-to-back years of just agonizing deep playoff losses for the for the Cougars. All right, let's go to the game hotline here. Hey, Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. 45 innings, never had to leave. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. 45 innings. I, I can't even morning. believe I couldn't even believe it when it was over. I'm like, this 45 is unbelievable. Innings. <laughs> 45 innings. <laughs> 45. I never had a stretch like that. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. 45 innings. Jesus. <laughs> well, but let me co- let me correct you on one thing. Okay. It's not 16 games. You got the whole month of July against teams that are less than 500 except the two games against the Yankees. You but got I'm, the entire month. I agree, but the Astros don't. Like, they struggle with the Royals, oh, I'm telling you. I fall out of bed and win 20. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what I got to deal with right now. All right, you don't think I'm gonna have a frustrating weekend after 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 what just took place? I got to deal with Jose Ramirez this weekend. He's a you feisty. Pitch he's feisty. To Jose Ramirez. Yeah, yeah, he's good. <laughs> and they will. <laughs> and they will. Oh no, I, I agree. I said the same thing to the Astros. Crush. Don't pitch to huh? him. Don't pitch to that cat. <laughs> But they will. You know, Just walking. No their... one can hit behind this guy. <laughs> but the Astros, it's always strike one. And that <laughs> and that's the key. The Yankees love walks before they'll wind up hitting a home run and they didn't get it. Strike one, strike one, strike one. It's like, dude, you know, I mean we can never get ahead in the count. You know, they throw strikes. You know? So It was incredible. Yeah. Unexpected. Well, I don't know what kind of weekend you got, probably a good one, but I got I'm afraid I got some more frustration headed my way. I, I'm I'm playing the little MVPs. You got MVPs just falling out their, their dugout. Yeah, well they'll be thirty to thirty five out by the time the season's <laughs> over with, so yeah. All right, Kevin. Take care, you Larry. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. Take care. Oh, I love Larry. He's the best. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. By the way, today is known as Bobby Bonilla Day. For those that don't know the story, many years ago, the Mets signed Bobby Bonilla to a contract where every July the 1st, the Mets pay Bobby Bonilla $1.19 million. Every July 1st, all the way through 2035. Now, when this first started... 2035 seems so long ago. Well, now that we're in 2022, it doesn't seem quite as, you know, it's a little, it's starting to, I mean, I don't know 
it's probably up to the NFL and the breaks of the Saints and the and the you know whether I make it to twenty thirty five or not, and avoid the heart attack that everybody's been telling me I was going to have for screaming at the TV since I was five years old. But um, through twenty thirty five, the Mets will continue to pay every July first is Bobby Bonilla Day. We'll pay the Bobby Bonilla $1.19 million. Now, I don't know. Bobby Bonilla was one of these real temperamental players. I don't know what he's doing with all this money and how he saved it, but, man, that has to be nice. Every July 1st, you get $1.19 million from the Mets through 35. Unbelievable. So happy Bobby Bonilla Day. And, the, and the way, you know, again, that's insanity. But the way college sports and all high school sports and the way sports is going these days, it's not any more insane than all this other stuff we see going on. It's just incredible. Incredible. All right, that'll do it for hour number one. Got a very busy hour number two coming up next. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we've got one hour left in this week. Heading into a 4th of July holiday weekend. We won't be back till Tuesday. Next week is going to be a very busy week. You say, man, how can it be? Well, first of all, it's only a a four-show week. We're going to be doing college basketball. The only sport or team that I've been more passionate about in my life or as passionate about in my life other than the Saints or the Astros, which we still got NFL to do. That'll come a little bit later. Uh, We'll have lots of fun with trying to compare one Saint heartbreaking loss to another. Um, Is Cajun basketball. And... In the 70s and 80s, I was as crazy and passionate about Cajun basketball as I was as I am about the Saints or the Astros. It's the only other sport where I could say that about, really. Um, I mean, I always follow Cajun football, and and cons- you know, I, w- I uh, George was here for college for college football week, but um, have plenty of those as well, but not like Cajun basketball, and uh. We're going to have a special guest next week have planned to discuss some of that Cajun basketball who was there for a lot of those games that uh, we're going to be discussing. So we're going to have lots of fun. Also, um, plan on talking, reuniting with Luke next Thursday to kind of sort of start looking at the Saints. We did it yesterday when we had a very good call that tried to um, I, I've been trying to kind of like keep it in the corner <laughs> for a little bit as long as possible, but I also <clears throat> also been wanting to get Luke's thoughts on the Saints and 
So we'll start doing that next week. So we're going to have a be- very busy week next week. Won't have a show Monday for the 4th of July. We'll be back, Lord willing, on Tuesday, and we'll start talking about college basketball. So we'll try to do a top 10 for LSU, a top 10 for the Cajuns, and if we get enough, we can maybe do an overall top 10 in terms of the country as well. So um, it's going to be a busy week next week. And so we will uh, we look forward to to that. All right. As for finishing out this week's show, high school football. Um, certainly feel free to call. We got a few. We got one more that I want to mention. And if someone else has others, certainly feel free. Again, we we've got a lot of games here to sift through and they're all worthy of of a top 10. But. Of the, I don't know, we probably got almost 40 here on the list that have been suggested or discussed this week. I, you know, they're not all, they, I'm not all that good in math, but I know that you can, all 40 or 38 of them or whatever number we have here can't fit into 10. And so we just, we'll, we'll come up with, uh, with some, what a way to do that. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. That, uh, Back to that 1982 uh, Turlings team. Uh, it was my senior year at Notre Dame, and we lost to them seven to nothing. Yeah. We got inside the one, and, and we did a, a, a wham, a wham keeper, and the quarterback got just tripped up in the backfield. Otherwise, he had nothing but green grass to score. So that was oh. a, that was a disappointing loss. Yeah. We had a, our defense was pretty good. We never gave up more. Than, we gave up nine points to two people. And that was the, the highest we've ever gave up. So we had a pretty good defense. So that might not make you top ten, but it's in my top ten. So, I understand. I understand. And that 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 four year with STM losing the north side, I think that was Keelan Williams the senior year. Absolutely. Tyson Andrews. Yeah. Yes, sir. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Thank you. Right. No, you know, John Curtis was really good then. And, and north side competed with Curtis, lost 29-14 in the state finals. But the game was closer than that. And, uh, no, that was a really good north side team. And, obviously, STM was really good there, too. I mean, again, STM lost in double overtime that year, and then the next year they had Bastrop beat on the road. And that was a really talented Bastrop team and just couldn't quite couldn't quite pull it off. Again, the game hotline is 706 706-0111. If you want to talk about college athletics and the big picture and where we're headed, I mean, I it, it's it is scary to think about what college athletics is going to be like ten years from now, or you might want to say fifteen years or twenty. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be totally different. But it might not even take fifty. And like ten years from now. It's going to be like you're going to probably have all these major conferences will will be there. Everybody's going to be transferring everywhere. We're probably going to have to start having in college athletics like pro-style free agent rules. I don't know. What in the world? Where are we going? I mean, college athletics hasn't been amateur athletics for a long time. I get that, but 
man. I mean, the NCAA may not even exist then. Like, what is their purpose is even going to be? Paper pushers. You know, I've been saying for a long, long time, and, and this is more of a football thing than anything else, but I've been saying for a long time, what they've got to do in college sports, in college football, is they have to have a specific entity. And maybe this could be the function of the NCAA in terms of football, because everybody's is they've got you they they've got to take scheduling out of the hand of the athletic directors. Some independent entity needs to schedule for all of college football. Now, maybe if we really have like this super league, and then all the mid-majors kind of play for their national championship, which a lot of people think we're going to be going to that. And then, and then you know, I don't know. Are they going to combine the old, you know, the FCS teams with the mid-majors? I don't know what's going to happen. But at least in the May, they need to – the athletic directors, they need to get to the point where athletic directors don't schedule. I've been saying that for decades, over a decade, maybe longer. They 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 gotta stop scheduling. Like you gotta take all that. If you're gonna if you're gonna become a pro sport, then you gotta stop all that silliness. Where every time I play my big rival, I'm off the week before and all that foolishness. And I don't play this team ever. And Georgia never plays Alabama, which has been a joke for 50 years. I mean, it, all of that's got to go. If you're gonna if you want to be a prof- like the professionals, then 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 grow up. Stop. Stop manipulating the system. Now, nothing's perfect. The NFL manipulates schedules as well. Don't get me wrong. You know me. I complain about that all the time. But, no, no no more of this foolishness. Like, that might be the one good thing that comes out of all this is the scheduling in college football might be out of the hands of the athletic director. I mean, and who cares about history anymore? They just spit on history every day. So, I mean, none of that's going to matter. I mean, we got USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Don't talk to me about history ever again with college football. Tradition. Don't even talk about it anymore. It doesn't mean anything. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning. How are you doing this morning? Oh, it's a glorious, glorious Friday morning. Stupendously glorious Friday morning. Man, your your buddy uh your buddy Petty uh he, he mad this morning, man. He mad, mad, mad. He's oh like, yeah, he said he ain't calling. Oh, he ain't calling. Man, I don't blame the uh, man. He mad, he saying the umpires cheating him. I was like, Y'all are the umpires, what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, hey, no, the I Astros got a few calls last night, but it was about time we got a few borderline calls go our way. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I've been saying all season long, the Astros are still better than the Yankees. I'm telling you, Astros are better than the Yankees. And they did it without one of their their, their biggest hitters, you know. And like you like to say, El Pedro Grande. Absolutely. And I love that. Uh, now, uh, I wasn't listening too much the first hour. You know what today is, huh? What, Bobby Bonilla Day? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Bonilla Day. Yeah, man. we talked Good about day, Bobby man. Bonilla. Drinks on yeah. him. Yeah. Drinks on him. <laughs> hey, have a happy 4th of July weekend. Have a safe one, buddy. And uh, uh, 
I'll talk to you later, man. All Thanks right. for take, taking my call. Take care. No problem. His Red Sox are playing the Cubs. This is what we got to look forward to this weekend in, in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the Astros are playing the little um, the little MVPs. Um, Otani pitched not yesterday, but the day before. So I don't think they're going to see Otani. Um, Trout's on fire. We'll see what happens there. The Red Sox, Morton's Red Sox are playing the Cubs. The The Rays are playing the Blue Jays. That's a real good series. The Rays have been struggling lately. They are really not scoring runs. And the Blue Jays beat them 4-1. to one. The Yankees play the Guardians, as Larry uh, brought up last hour. And he's right. Jose Ramirez is just – Jose Ramirez is an old-school baseball player. I mean, you got to just love Jose Ramirez. Now, it drives me crazy because when the Astros played him earlier this year, they kept pitching to him. It's like, enough of that. Make one of these other clowns beat you. Uh, and so uh, we'll see how that goes with the Yankees and the, and the Guardians. The Rangers are playing the Mets. You know, the Astros have been doing some winning, but they ain't gained much ground on the Rangers. They've been playing pretty good lately. The Padres are playing the Punks. The Punks got the win last night. So that's an interesting series. And then, as I already said, the Astros are playing the um, the little MVPs. By the way, that game's on Apple TV tonight. One of them Apple TV games. I remember that happened like game two of the season. And I don't remember. I watched it, but I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't do it, so I don't. I don't know how to do it. So hopefully someone can help me do it tonight. But Apple TV tonight. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. What's going on, Flint? How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Look, I, I'm more, more and more. I listen to you. We got you know stuff in common. You know. Uh, I grew up over there across the street from your uncle Harold, and now uh, you know you start talk, you start talking about the uh, the, the old uh, raging Cajun basketball. I look forward to you talking about that. Oh, I yes. want to know. I, I want to know. I got. <laughs> want to know. Uh, you know, I was one of those kids, probably around your age, standing on the side waiting to catch a, a sweaty uh, sweatband from the players. Uh, you were one of those guys, man. Absolutely. Nineteen eighty two Sun Belt Conference Championship. <laughs> Uh, final beat Arkansas State at Blockham, and I got Graylin Warner sweatbands. Yes, you got you got me and my it, brother huh? were there. I, I, I got Graylin like sweatbands. Uh, Alonzo Allen, um, uh, you know, uh, play a lot. You know, he was uh, he was one of the guys I remember, and definitely Dion Rainey and all those guys. But uh, anyway, look forward to when you get a chance to uh, talk about that stuff. I know you're talking about doing it maybe ne- next ne- week. Oh, uh, next week got, we're going to tell a lot yeah, of them. Yes. Yeah, good. I got another quick question for you, kind of changing the, um, you know, changing the subject a little bit. You know, I, I recently got pretty interested in watching uh, NHL hockey and uh, watching the um, Stanley Cup this year. Did I hear it right that the same owner of the Colorado Avalanche is the one that owns the uh, the LA Rams? Is that correct? Uh, 
it could be, but I, I, I don't, I don't know a hundred percent. I don't know that for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I heard somebody say that on one of these shows, man. Talk about a pretty good year when you can win the Lombardi and the Stanley Cup. Well, if that's the case, absolutely. <laughs> yes, somebody might know that, but no. I, now, um, the one of the outfits that was trying to buy the Broncos was an owner of an NHL team, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know for sure on that one. No. Somebody on that. Uh, Somebody on I, I think I heard that actually on one of the broadcasts after the Stanley Cup was won. But anyway, I just I just thought you might know that more for sure. But look, anyway, uh, not, it's always great listening to your show, man. Keep right. it up, and thank uh, you. And want to want to tune in next week for that thing. All right, thank you. We're gonna have lots of fun. Thank you. Um, no, I, again, I've said before, I I just. I just don't have any, hardly any knowledge of all of N- of NHL, uh, the history, the team donors, the GMs. I just that's where our old friend Tim Buckley could help because he, you know, he he used to cover the he used to actually cover the Tampa Bay Lightning, grew up in Buffalo, and big NHL guy. Nah, it's just not me. All so, right, but oh, go ahead to your next caller. Uh, the LA Rams owner is Stan Kroenke. Kroenke. And the Kroenke Sports Entertainment owns the Colorado Avalanche. He had actually turned it over to his son, Josh, in 2010. So his organization does own yes. both. So wow. not him specifically himself owns it, but his company owns the Avalanche. That's, that's a pretty good year. Rams. That family's fixing to have a medicine season. And, right. I, and the, hopefully the Saints reap the benefits of that. Thank you for that information. We'll no go right back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey, can you imagine if the Detroit Lions said, man, I'm tired of playing in the NFC North against the Packers and the the Vikings and all that, and let's go play in the AFC South. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like I've said for years, and again, I know people who grew up hating free agency and pro sports and all that, and it's just the the closest thing to purity of sports, the closest thing to sports like it was when we were kids is professional sports now. And it's just there's just no arguing that. It's just it's just it's, it's a shame but that, whole, uh, yeah, it's just a shame. NIL stuff in the just, transfer yeah. portal. I, it's, I remember when I was young, people used to complain, Oh, you, you don't know who's on anyone's team anymore in the NFL, you know, with free agency and it's like how you keep track of college, you know. No, it's... People could just jump ship at the, 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 you know, the turn of a hat or, yes. you know. Anyway, so and, 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 I heard and, something. Go ahead. Um, now, this was just like, uh, I guess, an opinion piece, but like it was something brought up about the Saints to trade for Kareem Hunt. I did read that Kareem Hunt story yesterday. He's a little bit iffy from a character standpoint, locker room standpoint, perhaps. But no, you love his skill set. Again, I'm sure that the Saints front office has somewhat of a plan or at least, okay, we're going to do this. And if that doesn't work, we're going to do this. In other words, a short list. But no, I love Kareem Hunt's um, skill set. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. 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 I guess the NFL are are running backfield with pack a punch, huh? Ab- absolutely, he can catch it and run it. I, I'm all for that idea. Yes. All right, Kevin. Thank you. All right, thank you. No, the the running back situation. Now, take injuries aside. Obviously, somebody could get hurt or 
eight could get hurt or whatever, and then we got other issues. But on paper, when injury's not part of it, that's the one thing. If they could just – however they're going to address that running back situation, Paul, I'm going to have trouble sleeping when we get that. I'm trying to push it off. I'm trying to push Saints away. I don't want to think about that yet, but it's getting here. Because why? It's July the 1st. It's July the 1st today. I mean, three weeks from now, they're going to be in training camp. Didn't the summer just start? I mean, it seemed like we just learned when June the 1st was going to be. It was like this Wednesday, June the 1st, and now it's already July the 1st. Where did June go? Incredible. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, I'm going to try to come. I'm going to give you one more that we slipped through the cracks that I just noticed it when I was going over all these. And then I want to give you my version of the of the top ten. Well, have fun anyway. You don't have to agree. It's just for fun. And education and memories and nostalgia. We'll take a time out and come back with the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foot. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you again, we'd like to give you an Apple Watch, and here's how you do it. You join our new, brand new text club by simply texting GAME to 337-288-8100, 337 288 8100, and that will you will join the, the text club, put you eligible to win an Apple Watch as well as other great prizes such as Astro tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, before we get back to high school football, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. I had to call back because uh, Crybaby uh, Eddie Paul didn't want to talk to show today. He okay. had a question from being his translator. He said he wants to know what you want your nickname to be, brainwasher or delusionist. Brainwasher or what? Delusionist. Oh, yeah. But the, the, the man, the man's, he, he, his mind is gone, I think. I, I think his mind is gone. All right. He watches too many Yankees games, yes, man. Yeah, That's yeah. his whole problem. He, 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 he'd have a brain. He'd be a smart man if he wasn't a Yankees fan. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. You know, he needs to watch more Astros and, and, and Red Sox games. That way he can be a winner. 
but that's all I had. Okay. That's all, that's all I had for you, buddy. Have oh, a good one. All right. One. Take care. All right. The, the one that slipped through the cracks, uh, the game happened in 1997. Uh, Port Barry is playing Oak Grove, and it's the state semifinals. Port Barry had never been to the Dome before. They ended up going to the Dome a couple times after that, including winning a state championship. But at that time, they had never been to the Dome. They had this just powerhouse, old-school, physical, workhorse running back named Jerome Pinckney. And um, it's kind of like the Jamaican Dartez one in that he, you know, this great running back that carried you all season and he he fumbled late in the in the game when it looked like they had the game won and they lost 37-36 be, largely because of that fumble but it's one of those deals i mean he carried you all season how can, you can only get so angry at someone who carries you all season who happened to make one mistake but there was a fumble late in the game and they lost the game 37-36 and again i have a a um a kind of a special place in my heart for programs or uh, like at the high school level or college level or the pro level that you get right up to to the, you're right there and and you're about to do something you've never done before and it's this huge thing for you and you're just right there and it just takes a, a couple normal routine plays that you make over and over or don't make over and over uh, and something crazy happens, and boom, you lose the game. Oh, that's just, that is the worst. That is the worst. So, anyway, had a great week and a lot of great games, and we learned something about games. And, I, I, I you know, again, I, there were some games I didn't even know about. I thought were tremendous. But here, here's what we're going to go with. I'm going to do that Port Barry game that I just mentioned, number 10. Number 9. The Turley's Cathedral, when the whole idea, the whole concept of having it's the last time you could ever play them and you lose on a two-point conversion on the last play of the game. Awful. Number eight, uh, that Cecilia, the last Jamaican Dartes, came so close in Cecilia to winning the state championship. They had not won one. And it's the state semifinals. One of the great players in the history of our area has a fumble late in the game, and they lose 21-20 to a meet. And, again, I'm pretty sure that's the last time that um, the Katyana area did not have a representative in the, uh, in the state championship round way back in, in 1994. Number seven, Iota playing Jonesboro Hodge in 1990. Iota thought they were going to the Dome for the first time, they had, you know, back then, Norman Bradford didn't have, have didn't happen to have much of a college career, but at that time, he was a big name, big name. And um, they were up 10 nothing late, returned a punt for a touchdown, I want to say fumbled, and they scored again late, and they beat Iota 14-10. That's number seven. Number six, I'm going to go with the Derwin-Antoine. Field goal block returned for a touchdown on a chip shot field goal at Clark Field in 1986 to beat Turlings. Number five, 
Westminster's loss to Mamou that Coach Baton talked about earlier. Boy, I tell you what, the Mamou Green Demons, their name came up quite a few times this week, if you hadn't noticed. Mamou likes to break the heart. They broke OC's heart in that game that Coach Bork was talking about way back in 1975. And then they broke um, they broke Westminster's heart here in this game that, that we're talking about. Number four, that crazy turnaround game um, that I talked about at Clark Field where Patterson down 17 with a half a quarter to go, one by 10. That was, that was, that was incredible. Turling still trying to get to the Dome, and they thought they had a shot that year for sure. Number three, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I ended up doing it. It's kind of like the Yankees-Diamondbacks when Acadiana, 43-42, overtime loss and a farewell for Coach Davidson. Uh, they thought they had the game won, and they lost on a two-point conversion towards the end. A couple kickoff returns killed them. Number two, Brobridge. Losing the car, 1993. Thought they had the game won. Again, they're hoping they're going to the Dome for the first time ever at that point. And all the clock shenanigans that happened at the end there. Um, and then number one, I, I got to go with the, the St. Martin Parish version of Joe Pasarczyk. Neville, St. Martinville, you're running out the clock. You're essentially in victory offense. And it doesn't happen. You fumble, Neville picks it up, runs it back for a touchdown. That is just tough. That is just tough. Now, a couple, uh, I mean, some of these were difficult. Like, for instance, I, I thought about the novelty of Church Point in that 83 game where they won the game a lot. But, 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 but the reason why I didn't put that one is you still had the you still had the consolation of you beat Notre Dame. So that was a unique suggestion that you won the game but you lost, but you still beat Notre Dame. So something I know you didn't make the playoffs, but something you still won the game. So I just couldn't put that one in. And then there's some of these I like that. That that ST ambassador, when I've thought for years, I, I I think that's one of the best playoff performances in a loss by uh, an Acadiana area team. That that was that was um, tremendous. And then Brobridge that went to Salmon that losing on a forty nine yard field goal. That was that was tough. That was a tough one um, to lose. And then the one that I had forgotten about that coach. Um, that all reminded me of losing in a Hail Mary to OC. That one was tough to to leave off as well. Again, it's all about just having fun and stirring up some memories and um, learning, educating about certain games that have had happened in the past. I think all of that is um, is important and um, and sorry and, and, and part of the fun of, of summer projects like this, educating and nostalgia. And so um, had a lot. Of, we covered a lot of great games, a lot of great moments, um, some real fun ones. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. 
before we do that, though, I want to remind you about um, Astro Getaway. Astro Weekend, Saturday, July 30th against the Seattle Mariners. If you would like to win, you need to join the game clubhouse. You could win four tickets to that game Saturday night on the 30th against the Mariners, as well as a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll be back after this timeout. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astro. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 1st, 1982. Cal Ripken Jr. makes the first of his record 2,216 consecutive Major League Baseball starts at shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, if you have not joined the, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you need to do it today. That's because you could, if you become a member, you have an opportunity to win all kind of great prizes like Astro Weekend Getaways, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Can't score any of these great prizes unless you become a member of the Game Clubhouse. So do that today. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. All right. So just have... Uh, this segment and one more on this week of high school football talk. We've been talking some about the NBA and the free agency, and that was, you know, even more yesterday with the Kevin Durant news that he's, I mean, again, the problem with, I understand you become a free agent and you go where you want to. And, you know, these guys team up and form these little AAU teams, which I'm not a big fan of, but it is what it is. And then and then you go and it doesn't work and then you leave and then it's just like all of that talk about the Brooklyn Nets for three or four years for nothing. I mean, nothing. Just, I don't know, just something about it that's just kind of sickening. But we'll see where, where he ends up. I mean, so say he wants to go to some ready-made team already. That's typical Kevin Durant stuff. But, at le- you know, like, let, let's say he goes to the Heat. At least the Heat didn't win the title last year. At least the Heat doesn't have, like, an all-time first ballot Hall of Famer or two of them on their team. And, and, and you know, they set the all-time record. I mean, it, it, nothing he could do would be as bad. I mean, again, that's... Him going to Golden State when he did was like the worst legal thing that I think I've ever seen in sports. 
ever. It was awful. Um, so we'll we'll you know see how that goes. And and I touched on the Zion situation, but it really is going to be fascinating what he does. He's going to get some criticism because he hasn't played hardly any games, and he got this big contract. And there's so much mystery behind him, like, you know, who does he like? Who does he not like? What are his motivations? What is he doing in Asia? And and and, and it's just all the things around Zion and, and his. But it's fascinating that a small market team like the Pelicans drafted this high-profile guy He's done nothing or just a hint or a hair above nothing since he got here. Major disappointment. And yet somehow, even though that's happened, they've able to develop around him or in spite of him and had an encouraging playoff little, you know, postseason run last year. Or I don't know about run, but a performance. They did well. They've got good players around them. They drafted well. And now, if he ever gives them anything, could push them over the top. I mean, that man, that's impressive that they've been able to do that in a lot of ways. And so, again, not a big Pelicans fan, but I certainly have nothing against the Pelicans and want them to do well. I know a lot of people who like the Pelicans. I get the uphill struggle, and it's a have-and-have-not league. The NBA is very much like the NFL was in the 70s. It was a have-or-have-not league. It just it just is, and it was. And um, it's, um, it's, it's a struggle, and yet just when it looked like everything is falling apart, you know, eight months later, nine months later, whatever, things are looking pretty bright, so – uh, we'll see how um, how things work out for the Pelicans, but they're heading in the right direction. Any thoughts you have on that or football or Major League Baseball, Astros, Yankees? We talked a lot about that over the last week and a half, but again, it was a high-profile series, a lot of people, a lot of fans of both teams, and so certainly wanted to discuss that again. The game hotline is 706-0111. You have a few more minutes. If you would like to discuss any of these subjects, certainly feel free to do so. Again, next week we'll be doing college basketball. So if you are especially an old-school UL basketball fan or LSU basketball fan or just a huge college basketball fan in general, uh, we'll try to do a top ten of all three. But again, it's going to, we got only got four days next week because we're not going to be here on Monday. So it'll be quite the challenge, but uh, we look forward to, to trying to do it. And again, th- at some point, it, it, it's bad losses that we're bringing up. And I talked to one gentleman, Dean, um, at our 10th birthday bash at Buffalo Wild Wings, and he's like, I don't even want to think about all that those all that astral heartache of the past. It's a lot, and again, just for me, it's a lot easier for me to discuss that now that the Astros have won it all. They've been to the mountaintop. They are 
they have been the best team in baseball over the last five years, including a title. And so I can talk about those agonizing losses and series losses and getting cheated in the past a lot. It's easier for me to do that because it's happened. It's just, it makes it easier for me. It's easier to talk about the same when we when we get to NFL week, talk about the Saints agonizing losses of the past, especially in the playoffs now that they've won a Super Bowl, now that they've been, you know, an elite team in the NFL for more than one or two years. Um and I and, and I have such high hopes for this season coming up. So it's easier for me to discuss it. But again, for other people it's not that easy. I get that. But um I don't know. There's some sort of badge of courage to me that you get when you know as a fan. That's just part of being a fan. You got great victories and you've got those agonizing losses. And unless you've been through them, in my opinion, unless you've been through the agonizing losses, you can't possibly appreciate the great victories as much. You just can't. Uh, you know. Again, right now, I've, I made this comment in May sometime. Right now, I mean, it's never been better. Like the Astros are, you know, they've never been this consistently good. It's never been better for me as an Astro or a Saints fan than it is right now. And so, although last year was really rough for the Saints because um, it's tough when every when nationally and even locally all these people have these, in my opinion, false impressions, and I'm seeing the best roster makeup I've ever seen for the Saints, and and they have all of this bad break after bad break after bad break, and they end up going through the most injured season in the history of the franchise, and they still have a winning season. And and I, I'm fine with the national people saying, well, they're not any good. They just dismiss them because they're all QWs. Um, but still to hear all the pessimism and, uh, and, and lo- locally, it's frustrating, but it, it's going to make, it's going to make, if they stay healthy and achieve, and fulfill their potential, it's going to make it even sweeter. Like it, it reminds me a lot of the 2017 season. I mean, after the 2007, no, 2017, where they had lost, they were 7-9 three years in a row, but they weren't really a 7-9 team that last year. And they were really about an 11-win team, and they just had a bad break after bad break after bad break. And I, I told everybody, this is not a seven-win team. And, of course, they won 11 games that year. It ended in heartache with the Minneapolis Miracle. But they were a really good team. And, and that was very satisfying to be right. And hopefully I can be right about this Saints team. But, again, you got to get breaks. Got to get breaks. Trying to push it off. It's coming, though. It's coming. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out this week's show. And. On this Friday, July the 1st, unbelievable. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you got another call, we got a minute or two, but pretty much run out of time for the week. Again, we'll be doing college basketball next week. Um, Astros 
uh, will be playing in a norm, more of a normal time, 7 o'clock tonight, against the little MVPs at Minute Maid Park. It's a, I guess it's an eight-game homestand because they played these three games. They played one last night, and then they played a Royals for four starting on uh, Monday, 4th of July. So it'll be interesting to see how the Astros do against those teams Again, they've lost and won some games against uh, the little MVPs this year. Uh, they won two out of three in Kansas City um, earlier, but they they got – I want to say they got swept or got beat three out of four, two out of three. They, they struggled with the Royals last year. They kind of struggled with them in Kansas City in that series earlier this year. Uh, I saw Grinky won his last outing, pitched very well. Uh, but I have, you know, overall, they haven't been doing good. Salvador Perez had this unbelievable season last year. Hasn't been able to follow up. Andrew Benintendi, so my fantasy team's having a nice season. Um, some people think he's going to be traded to the Yankees. I've heard some talk about Benintendi going to the Yankees. Again, that's another former Red Sox going to the Yankees. I'm not for that. I think that's deplorable, deplorable, disgusting. Phony, awful, but uh, there there is some talk about that. So we'll see. Um, you know, Benintendi really hit the ground running with the Red Sox, and then for two or three years he wasn't very good. I had him on my team last year, and he didn't do very good. For some again, for some reason again, I picked him again, and and he's having a pretty nice, steady season this year on a bad baseball team. And so you, it makes sense that they would trade him. I just hope it's not to the Yankees, and not just because I don't want the Yankees to do well, but I'm just kind of, I'm just totally against the whole concept of someone playing for the Yankees and the Red Sox. I don't think that should ever happen. I mean, don't feed me all this propaganda about how great a rivalry is. You got people playing on both sides. I think that's awful, awful. There should be a rule against that. It should never happen. But so we'll see what the Astros do. You know, Myers. His first couple of outings, I mean, at bats, he 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 looked overmatched, struck out, struck out, struck out, struck out. But since then, he's hitting for some power to right center. Uh, I like what I'm seeing so far. He still don't know how to wear his uniform, but um, I like what Myers is doing. So hopefully over these next 16 games between now and the All-Star break, he can get hot. Maybe Yuli, who's showing some signs of maybe getting hot, maybe he can get hot. So... Astros a little short-handed for the next couple of weeks, but hopefully they can win enough games in the All-Star break to keep us to keep um, going, and we'll see what happens after that. All right, that'll do it for this week's and today's program. Y'all have a nice and safe holiday weekend.